Welcome to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others affecting your voting decisions. Here are your hosts for electionspeakers.com, Lori Schloff and Dr. Dennis Becker. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Dennis Becker and this is electionspeakers.com, the place to hear unique critique of the speaking styles of candidates and others who are part of this presidential campaign. Today is September 29, three days after the first presidential election and 36 days uh, before the vote, not before the election, before the, since the debate, not since the election. Boy, am I <laughs> jumping things ahead, right? Yeah. <laughs> Joining me today, as always, are our, our, our two very special guests, my co-host, Lori Schlaff, professional speech coach and author, and welcome, Laurie. Nice to have you again. Great to be here. And, of course, our debate expert, Dr. Deborah London, is here with us. Debbie, welcome. Thanks, Dennis. Always a pleasure. Now, you know, uh, today is Monday, the Monday after the Friday when the first presidential debate was held. And today what we're going to do is talk a bit about the debate itself and the several other things. But Lori's got a list of things for us to do today. So, Lori? Alrighty. Well, there's so much we can talk about. We already had one show post-debate that was really exciting. It was right after the debate. We found there was so much to talk about. We wanted to keep going. What I'd like, um, Dennis, if you could get us going with is a little bit about how we, we invite people to download and use our debate scorecard, what's on it, then let's go into Obama and McCain. How did they do? What did you like about their style? What can, what can we learn from them? What are their good points? What are their bad points? Uh, some people are focused now on the vice presidential debate coming up. We'll be talking about what to look for on Thursday, October 2nd at that debate. So, Dennis, get us started with talking about uh, the scorecard that we're inviting people to download and to use to score all the debates. What Lori's talking about, of course, is those of you who are tuned into our online broadcast here, our cablecast, audiocast, whatever they call this, you're, you're tuned into us. You can actually download the scorecard that we have on electionspeakers.com. When you go to the website, you'll see the section that says in the upper left-hand corner, it says debates. And there are scorecards, and in addition to that, there's an explanation of the scorecard, which we'll talk a little bit about today. And we certainly do invite all of those of you who are listening to join us in scoring each debate, as we did last week. Now, this uh, three days ago at the first presidential debate, we had a studio audience, and we gave each one of them a scorecard, and we'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they scored it, and we had a winner, and we had losers, mm -hmm. and so forth. So we invite each of those of you who are interested in doing so to download the scorecard, the description of what the scorecard means, and score right along with us. Mm -hmm. Terrific. All righty. Would it be good just for us to quickly list the different items on the scorecard? Um, Our scorecard, yeah. the scorecard actually has a 10-point score uh, system. There are 10 categories that we judge each of these speakers. Now, remember, we're judging only on style, not on content. As far as we know, electionspeakers.com is the only place where you can hear critique from professional speech coaches on the style of all of the speakers that we're critiquing. Mm -hmm. Now, when we critique them, we have a 10-point scale or 10-point, 10, ca 10 categories that we're judging. And I'll, I'll review them for you quickly, and then we can talk about each one of them if you like. Mm -hmm. We judge eye contact, vocal variety, mm -hmm. 
For those of you who don't know what that means, it means how does the guy sound boring or not? <laughs> Clarity. How easy is it to understand this person? Facial expression. We all know what that means. Gestures. We all know what that means. Mm -hmm. Language. That's talking about vocabulary, diction, sentence structuring. Choice uh, of language, whether it's right for the event. Yeah, yeah, whether it sounds like the language being used is appropriate, right. Body language. Now, that's a little bit different than gestures. We've separated body language and gestures. We see gestures as being those things that happen with hands and arms and head, perhaps, uh, shoulders, whereas the rest of body language means if they're sitting the way they sit or the way they walk or move and that sort of thing. Yeah, Dennis, just a note on body language, and many of our listeners might know this, but between 70 and 90% of communication is nonverbal, and that's largely through not just your, your vocal mannerisms, but your body language. And I, I, I don't, I'm not sure we've spent enough time on that, perhaps. Okay. Right, well, that's one of the next things we we'll talk a about. Big so impression based on the nonverbal, oh, what we see. The three final mm -hmm. categories that we judge, two of them re relate to speed. One is the rate of speed of speaking, the speed at which a speaker produces words, one right after the other. And then there's the pace of speed of speaking, not the speed at which they produce words, the speed at which they produce thoughts. Difference there between rate and pace. And finally, we judge what we call connection. With all of the other stuff, that the, if you can't figure out the other stuff, tell us, was there a connection? <laughs> Did that speaker seem to connect with the people to whom he or she was talking to and with. So those are the 10 categories. Right. Great. Well, maybe a good place to start is with connection. How did you feel um, each person, Obama and McCain, did in the debate in terms of connection with the audience? What did you like or not like? And actually, Dennis, I want to backtrack for one second. Why don't we get the total scores? I think people are waiting to hear Very that. And then we'll go back to my question. Very interesting. We had 37 folks in the, in the listening audience in the studio with us that night. And each one had a scorecard. And each one understood how to score. Uh, we reviewed all of that, and at the end of the uh, debate, we collected the scorecards, added up the totals, and declared the winner according mm -hmm. to that particular group. The totals came out to be, and remember, we had 37 folks, and they had a. Uh, to, to, we, these are the averages of what we, what the scores were after we totaled them all up and averaged it out. The totals were, McCain, out of 100, out of 90 possible points, he had 54 score. Obama, 71. Mm -hmm. So that group declared Obama the winner, mm -hmm. 71 to 54 out of 90 possible mm -hmm, points. Mm -hmm. And other media has as well. All right, well, why don't I get started in terms of overall gut responses to Obama and McCain's connection with the audience. So I'll just throw out a few things and have my colleagues, Dr. Deborah London and Dr. Dennis Becker, react. I thought both were good. I thought both were very direct. I got a genuine feel from both of them. Uh, both of them were more smooth than they usually were, meaning they didn't have the ums and ahs that I've talked about in past shows. One overall comment I have is that, in my opinion and opinion of others, McCain did a little better than people thought because people didn't think of him as a good speaker, and Obama was glad to hold his own. He's known as a good speaker, and he came across as a good speaker, though one could argue he's still better as a speaker in a formal situation, delivering a formal speech where he certainly excels. Everyone seems to agree on that regardless of politics. I, I, Laurie, I think that people, one of the reasons for exactly what you just said is that people notice differences and because McCain was different 
in his improvement, they noticed that he improved. They noticed that he was better than he had been. I think for Obama, he was more consistent. And while that may not be helpful or hurtful right now, I think in the long run, that consistency in his style and delivery may be helpful. You know, it's really hard for us to judge connection because here we are watching, like most people, <laughs> watching this thing on television. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing these guys in a you know 21 inch or 72 or whatever it is inches, but we're, it's not real. It's two dimensional. We're not in the space. We're not in the room. Not only are we not in the space, but I noticed something. We all watched the debate together. We watched on CNN. And the coverage was the bottom of the screen yeah. was blocked. And I'm wondering if perhaps different networks or different cable channels might have had a different way of, of showcasing who was speaking so that it didn't block part of their body language that could be seen over the, the lecterns oh, at which I they see. were standing. Yeah, I good see. point. Yeah. You know, uh, back to my list of what why both of them did well. Uh, both, I think, caught, came across as strong. I think this was extremely reassuring to the American public. Because guess what? You might have to settle for the person you didn't vote for. My comments, and I love your reaction, is I thought McCain's more of an everyday kind of strong guy. And Obama's strong because of being polished. And I often hear clients say they want to be confident and polished. And at some point, if you feel like it, why don't we go into what makes Obama so darn cool? Well... Let me just, I just want to just conclude yeah. this thought about connection, too, and then I want to talk about Please. that, Lori. That it's almost impossible for us to judge connection over television because you don't really know whether right. or not the folks, in, and that's true in any setting, but we're doing the best we can. We all do with connection. We think we can say who connected. Did he connect with us at the very least? Right, and that's really, in a way, who it's for since there were yeah. a few thousand in the, in the room there. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's absolutely right. So the connection... Issue, uh, you know, I'm I'm fairly well split on that. I think they both made a relatively mm -hmm. good connection, but neither one really stood out. I, I get the sense that the whole debate this time around was kind of, you know, feeling each other out. It was the first round of a ten-round bout, and they're just sort of figuring out what's the other guy going to be like. Does he have a knockout punch? Can I move faster than him? You yeah. know, etc. We're going to really see the debate come alive in the second and third, oh, especially oh, yeah. debates where they were they take the gloves off. So uh, from connection, I'd say they're both okay this time around. Now, mm -hmm. as to the why is one guy cool and the other, I don't know whether you call him cool or not. It depends, I guess, on your politics, who's cool to he you. But cool. uh, he, I, One thing I noticed about your comment about McCain being sort of the average guy, I have noticed, maybe you guys have noticed this, ever since Sarah Palin came on the scene, McCain is now dropping his INGs on words more than he ever has. Instead of saying working, I'm getting working. Hmm. Um, they're working, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Dennis, his, his opening statement on, on Friday night at the debate was along the lines of he's not feeling too great, yeah. but he will hopefully be feeling a little better. Now, yeah. you know, in everyday conversation, informal, that's, there's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Right. We all do that. Right, right. But in a formal, professional arena, you should really articulate the entire word, I'm thinking. Well, Dennis, I'm really I'm dying to know what does Palin have to do with his ING I, ending? I think oh. I, I well she's drops all of her INGs practically. Okay. I mean, that's a stylistic thing with it's her. It's a regionalism as as well. It definitely from, from where with, she grew up. Absolutely. I mean she's she's that's a style for her. Okay. So now he joins what happens to the ticket? 
suddenly she's more popular than he is. Right. She's drawing more attention than he is, et cetera, right. et cetera. So there's some question of, his, you know, does she overshadow him? Now, clearly on, on qualification, she's nowhere even near where he is. Okay, fine. But in terms of popularity and buzz and sizzle and all of that stuff. You know, she's, right, I, not to cut you off, Dennis, I just want to, Piggyback on that because she's she's great at engaging people, at really connecting with her audience, not content wise. Just she has that type of personality, and with that comes her language and her style, which is very yeah. folksy. And if anyone saw Saturday Night Live, where Tina Fey has just oh. got it, nailed it, nailed absolutely it. nailed Again. her 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 vocal mannerisms, her style. Her and if voice, you notice, unique the, the too. voice, voice even, she, yeah. she drops her word endings, she uses folksy phrases. Yeah. She, and you're saying that her influence is so strong that McCain's choosing to mirror her, or is it unconscious? Well, I, I don't think it's unconscious. I think it's a conscious thing on his part, uh, whether he's mirroring or simply matching her, but I think he wants to make her seem less of an oddity <laughs> than she has is seemed to be proving out to be in in, in in campaign circles. And therefore he's trying he's sort of talking like her. And dropping the INGs is one of those things that also makes him perhaps seem a little bit more folksy and less removed from folks. Yeah. But you know, really interesting. Well there is one thing I'm really glad about that he hasn't matched or mirrored. <laughs> he's not wearing lipstick yet. <laughs> All right everybody. <laughs> That's true. Uh, some more observations. Although you want to know yeah, something yeah. about lipstick, I want to tell yeah. you something funny oh, about this. Oh, gee, okay, look, true revelations I've watched, here. I've watched mm -hmm. him, uh, both of them, mm -hmm. and I've watched McCain in particular. The makeup that they're using for him has not done him <laughs> any favors. Yeah. There have been times when he looked, I mean, it's terrible. He looked like he was a corpse. I mean, it was awful mm -hmm. the way the makeup was done. I see. So pancakey and flat, and they've covered a lot of the... the, uh, the Stars. problems he has with his face and what made me think about this the lipstick if you watch the show in hot hd you'll see this even more so high def you see it the lipstick goes up um, lipstick yeah well the they lipstick. Wear lipstick? It, no, no 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 well they probably do but <laughs> the pancake makeup goes up over his bottom lip if you can look at it very close this is a really nitpicking uh, yeah, 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 yeah. silliness well, funny. But you know, it, it you know does it make him look not real Oh my it's gosh. It's to a point, but, but if this is what we are critiquing. Look, How silly, artif huh? Artifactual communication is all of the communication that, that you send and receive based okay. on how you look, how you dress, the, the thing, the, the way you, the kind of pen you hold, and your makeup. Yeah. All of that sends messages. We talked about this before. You know, if, if, if Sarah Palin wears lipstick or the wrong shade or, or what have you, if it makes her look pale or not pale. Same thing goes for the men because they are mm -hmm. made up. Yeah. I, I do think Obama has an advantage in that area, though, because he has, or at least, a, you know, very his youthfulness comes through. Yeah, yeah, and his darker skin allows for the for less makeup yeah. to be used. And mm -hmm. uh, it is an advantage for him, I think. All right. I have some deeper kinds of thoughts um, about Obama. Deeper than pink <laughs> yeah. makeup? In a presidential election? I know Gee. it's hard. Trust me, right. I'm a major lipstick obsessor. What could this be? Go ahead. That's my favorite <laughs> thing in life. So I'm totally looking forward to Thursday for lipstick and other reasons. Anyway, what's really is interesting because I really want to get into Obama as a communicator, and McCain as a computer, computer, as a <laughs> communicator. What's so interesting to me is generally with our clients, and many of our clients are in business, they want me and other coaches to take them from being factual, informational, mm. to being inspirational. 
In other words, that's usually what they want. Now, Obama's goal for the debate was the opposite direction. He wanted to go from inspirational, which frankly he's been put down for, to informational, and I believe he succeeded. Oh, he I counted at least five or more times where he cited a very specific statistic. He was a font of information, facts, and figures, and he had the fact checkers running wild this weekend, double checking yeah. all mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now, just as a side note, Obama and McCain both made minor mistakes on actual specifics. Okay. That being said, Obama still, the, he, he was just spouting things off the top of his head, left and right, mm-hmm. and even if they weren't exactly the, the correct number, they were pretty close. Well, one of the challenges he had in that debate was to show that he could hold his own on right. foreign policy. Right. And it seemed to me like like he did. I mean, we're not talking about content, but he certainly sounded and as though, and he presented the ideas and the so-called facts as though he was quite confident about it. And that, as you say, Debbie, is, is a lot of what people judge on. Because most people don't know whether right, it's... Right, right. For all of us, we don't know whether the guy's telling the truth or not or whether it's accurate or not. Fortunately, we have folks like factcheck.org and others <laughs> who are willing to help us with that. You're right, but the majority of American people, they're not... You know, if he's in the ballpark, unless it sounds wildly irrational, it's going to help him. Yeah. So I, I think that is that's a, a good point. You know, that kind of evidence is re- that was actually very debate-like. That yeah. kind of empirical evidence that mm-hmm. he was offering. Mm-hmm. Right. And likewise, perhaps a a goal McCain had was to not come across as out of control. So I want to ask my colleagues, Dr. Deborah London and Dr. Dennis Becker. Was McCain in control? Were there moments where you sensed tension? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you, I, I absolutely sensed it. And you I'll tell you, tension. there were some really specific places. And when you look back at the tape of that, uh, mm-hmm. that debate, you will see times when whatever the topic was that Obama was bringing up, whether it was an attack or an mm-hmm. informational sharing or whatever it was, I could always tell when McCain was bothered by it. It annoyed him. Uh-huh. His Not only, of course, we all know he didn't even look at Obama, the, the whole campaign, the whole debate, rather. Mm-hmm. The whole, he didn't even look at him, but there were times when not only did he not look at him, but his own facial expression got extremely stern. His lips became pursed. His eye contact was straight right out at the audience. His facial expression was unmoving. His head was unmoving. His body was unmoving, as opposed to other times when he sort of leaned back, and he actually had a smile, sort of sarcastic smile sometimes, and he'd move around. But there were certain points, and interestingly enough, we talk about with the, the CNN, the bottom of the frame being being blanked out, it's because they were measuring, uh, they had a live audience response system going. And this was very interesting. There were two or three times, one of them, the most dramatic, was on the issue of energy. When uh, Obama brought up the issue of energy, that line went way up. People began to see the favorable response he was getting from those who were being measured. And it was that time when McCain, that was one of the times when he just sort of stared off. He's got this very stoic, annoyed look. He said annoyed, though. Yes, I I think he was annoyed by it. He didn't. He either yeah. didn't like it or didn't know how to respond yeah. to it. You know, I have an example of exactly yeah. what you're talking about, Dennis, and that is that there's a place where this was maybe a quarter of the, a little bit more than a quarter of the way into the, the debate. Obama invoked the strength of Biden and his choice of, of Senator Biden as a running mate, and McCain looked exactly like you were saying, very 
you know, he, he was almost like he didn't have a way to respond to it, but he was not happy with that. Obama went on to say, again, Senator McCain, you're absolutely right. After yeah. he said that, yes, then he he, Senator Obama said, John, you like to pretend like the war started in 2007. And he yeah. faced McCain, his opponent McCain, in response, leaned, smirked, and said, I'm afraid Senator Obama doesn't understand the difference between a tactic mm. and a strategy. Yeah. And that's where the language issue right. really took off for yes. me. Yes. But that that interaction right there, mm. that nonverbal section really spoke volumes to me. Yes, yes. And that's exactly where he did that. It was right before they began to, right when they began to talk about Iraq. As an instructional point to listeners, we paid some attention to how each candidate acted when he was in the listening position. A few colleagues mentioned that they caught Obama, not Obama, excuse me, McCain smirking a couple of times mm. while listening to Obama. Mm -hmm. uh, does this matter? And what did you catch in Obama's listening? Because I don't know if we talked much about that. Well, uh, listening makes a huge difference. I mean, let's just go back for a moment to the uh, George Bush-Gore uh, debate, okay? You may remember, I'm sure a lot of us will once we think about this, you may remember the times when, when uh, Al Gore, when he was listening and the TV took a reaction shot of him, what did they get? They saw him... Uh, yeah, it was those oh. audible sighs. Oh, that, the audible sighs, and sort of like, oh, gee, I like, oh, look at what happened with Obama and McCain. Does it make a difference? Positively, mm -hmm. I think. McCain, but what a lot of words we heard afterwards about him were he was contentious or he was mm -hmm. uh, aggravated by, he was annoyed. And we could see that in the way he was listening, by the way he's, the facial expression went, the sort of smirk that he had. Now, on the other hand, Obama, you know, the guy's fairly emotionless, which is one of the crit criticisms he has. Yeah. You don't see much on his face. Mm -hmm. Now and then you get a smile from him, but for the most part, his face is unmovable almost. So, And I don't think that helps him. I think he does need to add some emotion, not only to his listening, but to his speaking in order to be successful. Yeah, I bet he's very hard to read in person. I'd be very interested to know what Michelle Obama says about when they have maybe a marital altercation of some kind and how he reacts to her when she says yeah. something maybe he doesn't agree with. Yeah, I find it kind of reassuring that he's apparently, yeah, apparently yeah. he's advised his staff day one, no drama. That's right, no, no drama Obama, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, when you think about the incredible stresses and life-threatening issues that a president faces, uh, I don't want to debate anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I, I'm too busy. i got to go to Washington mm -hmm. type of guy as opposed to, now settle down here. Let's take a look. We can do more than one thing at a time type of guy. Right. There's just Boy, very different styles. Right. Very right. Different. Oh, Deborah, you had a, a great analogy to an old oh, famous my. fable. Yeah, I ha I really, maybe the listeners will recall the, mm -hmm. the tortoise and the hare where, you know, the tortoise wins the race in the long run because as slow as the tortoise is, that... The hare is just out there and just can't can't wait to get to the mm -hmm. end and is almost smug about it. Mm -hmm. In in like manner, I think that McCain is his team is promoting him as the hare. Mm -hmm. I think they're trying all kinds of tactics to ha just shoot him ahead to the the finish line. Whereas Obama is plodding along very consistently. He's the tortoise. He's been consistent in his all the things we're talking about today. And, and I think the tortoise and the hare is a very appropriate m metaphor, allegory, if you will, would be, mm -hmm. I guess, accurate. Mm -hmm. Hare, the word hare, of course, in this case means rabbit, but it also reminds me of something that McCain has 
had to watch. And from yeah. what you, my colleagues are saying today, I don't know how great he did with it. Hair trigger. Right, oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. H-A-I-R. Yeah, well, that's his you reputation. Know. I mean, yeah. perhaps you saw mm-hmm. the, the, the CNN pieces that mm-hmm. uh, CNN did about all four of the candidates where they, mm-hmm. they called it revealed. McCain revealed, Palin revealed, it's Biden, and so forth. Boy, what a history John McCain has of a hair trigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the very beginning, the guy was a sort of a wise guy. And he, at one point, he even said, yeah, I guess I started some fights just because I thought it was, mm-hmm. was fun. I mean, he's had, he has that reputation. So uh, I suspect that one of the strategies in terms of delivery for the Obama folks is to try to, to, try to spur him into that sort of a thing and make him show that hair trigger that he has. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, yeah, yes. I think it's a real strength yeah. of Obama to in that consistency, that calm manner. And I keep relating this to, to military leaders. You know, think of the generals, and, and a general who is who has that very quick reaction is not necessarily the kind of general you want to lead you into battle. Think mm-hmm. of uh, General O, forgive me, I can't pronounce his last name, who's just taken over for General Boutreus, yeah. has a, a very, very similar, not almost stoic but yeah, but yeah. not and he's worked on that he's made a, a, a effort to do that mm-hmm. to do that kind of leadership in a very uh strategic formation i, I have a friend who's a, a lieutenant colonel in the air force very calm he's the kind of person i want to lead me i don't want someone who you never know when they're going to fly off the handle and and if mm-hmm. that's if that's really the way that mccain is coming across then that that could could really hurt him. Well, I don't think mm-hmm. he comes across that way. I think mm-hmm. he, he. I, I don't it, take him that way. It has it. He has it in him, and he works very hard not to have right. that. And he, come he admits across. that, right? Yeah. Right. But and, and then are we seeing the real John McCain? Are Who we knows? seeing the way he will behave uh, in a crisis? Well, I thought the Washington issue, the, the bailout issue, was a, sort of the real McCain, perhaps. I can't. I can't okay. take care of this. One. I got to go there and do right. that. Wow, and then mm. you know everything we heard afterwards was wasn't a heck of a lot of good anyway. Yeah, I mean Obama Obama jumped on that when he said, "Well, shouldn't the president be able to multitask?" I yeah, thought that yeah. was he, he, definitely I, something yeah. that was wise on his part, and also something that many people in modern society can relate to. Well, let's speak, talk about let's talk about Thursday, okay? Yes, only have a few minutes left. Long-awaited debate. Oh, it's going to be the most watched. Oh boy. Biden versus Palin. Alrighty, I'd like to hear from Dr. Deborah London and Dr. Dennis Becker. What should listeners and viewers be on the lookout and listen out for? Uh, I'm, I'll take this first, Dennis, then head it to you. I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the same things that we were prepped to listen for in the Obama-McCain debate, I think how they listen to each other, I think a big one will be, one, specifics for Palin, if she, she is specific, on point, and if she falls into any type of sarcasm, I really think that will hurt her. Listen to her language. Listen to how folksy she sounds. And do you think that sounds presidential? If you, even though she's running, she, she would be the running mate. Does she sound presidential? Mm-hmm. All right. There are a couple of things mm-hmm. in this debate that I'm going to be listening for, and I urge you folks to do the same. Mm-hmm. There is uh, the tendency on both of their parts to do some what we call politipandering. <laughs> <laughs> that is to sort of answer the question, but then to pander to what they think people want to hear. And that gets rather annoying, I think, to educated voters. They really want to hear your thoughts on the issue, not a repeat of part of your stump speech. I think both of them have to be careful of that. 
And let's hope that we don't hear Joe Biden. But ladies and gentlemen, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, John McCain is sort of stuck. He only had okay. one of my friends right, right. the That's other true. night. He only had one. Let's hope that right. doesn't happen. Now, on, on the part of, uh, of, of Palin, I, we've, we have to listen for not only pandering, but what we, will, what we call politivoiding. <laughs> the combination of political language, which avoids the question. Now, does she afford it because she doesn't know? Does she afford it because she doesn't know information about it? We don't know. But I want to be listening for that. Does she, do either of them avoid the question? Now, this, the format for this debate is rather different. It's not the same. Okay, let's hear about the it. The format, uh, which we only heard about a few days ago, the format asks for each speaker to have a 90-second uh, second opportunity to uh, uh, respond to a question. Then there's a two-minute rebuttal and a two-minute rebuttal. There is no opportunity for them to talk to each other or with each other. Now, the word is that this is the way the uh, Palin people wanted it. They did not want to give their speaker too much time yeah. and too much depth on any one subject. They want to move the subjects along a little more quickly. Now, we'll see if that happens and whether or not how deep can she go. Uh, we only have seen Palin in very short uh, interviews with uh, these few folks that she's interviewed with. This is a 90-minute debate. What is her endurance? How deep can she go after 60, 70, 80 minutes? We'll see. And Joe Biden, on the other hand, he has to be very careful not to be either condescending or paternalistic right, with her, right. or on the other hand, to be too hands-off. She wants to play with the big boys. He has to be careful yeah. that he uh, yeah. treats yeah. her equal. All righty. And I guess we started with some of the more superficial things. Let's end with that. Who do you like <laughs> looking at more? People usually love looking at an attractive woman. Does that does that affect how you regard these debates? Well, Biden's not unattractive, they... so right. I'm, I'm I, I still just... maintain females like looking at an attractive woman better than attractive men. I man. completely agree okay. with that. Well, so, but her rating among men was huge. Uh, you know, why uh, was that? that? Gee, wow, I mean, that's a shocker. Rating what? Yeah. Anyway, so how do how do looks affect you? There's a Make lot a of research on well, how looks you know, affect people. Look, so. how she looks depends on. Yeah. What, uh, that's the difference between what she looks like and how she looks. If she looks like a deer in the headlights kind of look, that like, what? Uh, yeah. uh, right, that's you, a different look. You know what, of year, course, years, absolutely. Years ago, there absolutely. was an experiment with kindergartners, and they had two women. One was dressed up purposefully to look very attractive, and the other was dressed to look very plain and unattractive. Kindergartners, this is five-year-olds, folks, and and the, they, by and large, almost almost completely picked the more attractive person was the one they wanted as their teacher. Do you know that in this, uh, if you flip that over, the same research showed with K through three, the yeah. students, okay, mm. teachers favored the better-looking sure. students than they did the kids mm -hmm. who were not as cute-looking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there is definitely looks prejudice. Maybe we should all yeah. listen on the radio, but then there's oral yeah. image prejudice. I don't Yay. know. All right, well, so the whole goal of all It'll this be is to put prejudice aside yeah. to understand our, our communication and Absolutely. other prejudices and then vote as true and genuine and as we can to, for the best leader. Absolutely. Dennis, talk a little bit about um, sort of the logistics, what's happening in terms of when we're going to have our next show. Well, uh, as you all know, we, gathering. We, we post every Monday right here electionspeakers.com every Monday, regardless of whether there's a debate or not. So on the weeks where there's a debate, we have an additional special edition of electionspeakers.com mm -hmm. as we did last week, and we will again this week, Thursday after the debate, we will record another live, on tape that is, uh, program for you, 
and it will be ready for you for you right after the debate where we'll be talking about the candidates as we do here and in specific of course that particular debate and then we'll be back again next Monday with another version and uh, edition of electionspeakers.com but please don't hesitate to tune in with us and Download ahead of time. Download the scorecard. Mm -hmm. Look at the elements that we're judging. Get a feel for it yourself. Judge it. You know, we're judging on style. We want you to be listening as well. As Lori said, uh, hopefully nobody's voting for uh, Palin because she's a woman or Palin uh, Barack Obama because he's black. Those are such silly reasons to vote. Let's listen carefully. Use the kind of things that you learn here on electionspeakers.com to, to help you make up your decision. And by the way, if you have an additional question for us or a comment that you'd like to submit to us, you can do it. We get email on comments at electionspeakers.com. So anything you'd like to say to us, you want us to hear, that's the way to do it. Comments at electionspeakers.com. So we'll be with you again on Thursday right after the debate, and we'll see you again here next Monday after the debate talk is all over. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about next week after the debate. So until next time, then, this is Dr. Dennis Becker saying thanks for listening and bye for now. You've been listening to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others included in the 2008 U.S. presidential elections. Electionspeakers.com is posted every Monday.